All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice at arm's length. To the line, Hughes, Jones! Yes, existence. Take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1 nothing. Here, like I don't, I will cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and Valentine's Day. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let me know.
Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, episode 141, presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Be sure to get your pre-order in right now for Series 2, you know what we're going to tell you, the Niels Huglander rookie card. Stoked to get our hands on that. we got to get some boxes here from Zephyr, we got to make a call here, Quads, and I think you're the man to do it. Quads, how you doing, man? I am doing very well. Everybody should be using promo code hockey season that's our promo code capital h capital s all one word hockey season on zephyrepic.com z-e-p-h-y-r epic.com chris i'm doing pretty well how are you doing that's good man i'm doing great it's been a, a good day we're gonna have a couple of awesome interviews here on the show this week as per usual Corey hergott's gonna join us for our weekly ride in the bus segment uh cory just finished wrapping up an interview with jet Wu, so he's gonna talk a lot about that in his interview and honestly i think the interviews are going to take out the bulk of this episode because um it's it's been a weird spot for canucks fans man like i we'll get to this a little bit later but i just feel like wins and losses don't really matter anymore you know like it, you know well wins definitely don't i feel like the losses might when we start to look at the draft but we are also joined by aiden mcdonough who just won hockey east player of the month he is on an absolute tear right now uh, and he joined us on the show to talk about his season so far and what they are looking forward to because i i learned this before we started the call uh his playoffs start like next week and it is a crazy situation you guys will hear that in the interview um but yeah i think there's a lot to dive into we're recording this directly after the second game against the winnipeg jets where they just had a 5-2 loss did it finish 5-2 i honestly didn't even really notice there i think empty netter made it 5-2 right quads am i good there yep you are good 5-2 all right, and I think we're going to talk. I mean, let's let's start right off the top because really a tale of two different tapes there. You look at the first game, and Thatcher Demko looks excellent. He gets a shutout, his first regular season shutout, and then we see Braden Holtby's performance today. Not a great performance. Quads, this is right up your alley. This is a goalie stuff. What have you seen, and specifically over the past couple days here, I think is, is really kind of showcasing the goaltender situation right now in Vancouver. Okay, well, it's not even a hot take, and you know everybody is saying it like people on twitter going okay this is thatcher demko's team like that's not a hot take guys i i hate to be the one to tell you but i've seen so many people like even even yesterday it wasn't a hot take and now that holtby's had this game and people are starting to tweet now like this is demko's team it's like man yeah it was two weeks ago as well i don't know i i don't know it's just a lot of people were hoping that Braden Holtby was going to get fixed by Ian Clark, myself included. I thought maybe there was a chance he could return to form. If there's anybody who could do it, it would be Ian Clark. But Mr. Booth shared a photo tonight that I think sums up this situation pretty well. And it was a photo of a car that had been through like a crusher or whatever the hell they're called. It's like in a boxed form, a vehicle. And it was, Ian Clark, can you please fix this? And it just cracked (laughs) me up. And I think it sums up the situation pretty well right now. Because Brayden Holpe has struggled. The Canucks needed him tonight. I thought that he has received some unfair criticism at times this year. Uh, You know, I've... I it's cliche because I'm always the one to defend the goaltenders, but tonight was a night where he was the difference maker and not in a good way for the Canucks. Like, yes, Brandon Sutter shouldn't have turned over the puck in his own end, but Braden Holpe needs to make that stop. And yes, there was a few other turnovers. I think Tyler Myers was one of the culprits on one of the other goals. But again, you just need to make that save. You need to make some saves and swing the momentum for your team. Like, I get it. There's defensive breakdowns in front of you, but at some point you've got to bail out your squad and they're not asking you to do it a ton. Like the Canucks have played pretty solid defense over this last little bit here. Like 
Chris, I don't know if you remember, but that game against Toronto, I think it was the second game they played in Toronto. I'm trying to remember the exact date. I think it was February 5th or 8th or something like that. It was early February. Since then, the Canucks have actually played much better team defense. The problems have been they couldn't score on the power play. They got no help from the bottom six, but what else is new? And then you get that month of February. But from a team defense perspective, they've played much better. Like, they've limited shots. They've kept them to the outside. And I think that's partly why we're seeing Thatcher Demko play so well and really come into his own is because they're playing something resembling defense in front of him. And they weren't at the start of the year. So now that they're doing that, I think we're seeing a pretty good goaltender in Thatcher Demko start to excel. And you're seeing Braden Holtby kind of have his flaws exposed a little bit more. Yeah, I think what a lot of people that were speaking negative of Braden Holtby, and and I don't think you and I were at the start of the year. I thought that you know there were there were there was an opportunity for Braden Holtby to really get back with Ian Clark and get back to what he was maybe not exactly back to what he was doing when he was you know winning Vesnas and being one of the top goaltenders in the league. But we thought that he would be able to get to a certain point and definitely keep his save percentage above nine hundred. Um, yeah. I just, I'm wondering quads, like, is this what we're just going to see for the rest of the year? I mean, I look at the stat line right now, he's got a sub 900 save percentage, uh, looking at goals saved above average. He's actually a minus 4.8 on the goal saved above average right now. And for people that don't really understand that stat, uh, Jacob Markstrom was one of the top at goals saved above average last year in the NHL. He saved 11.4 goals above average. And like I said, Braden Holby right now is letting in 4.8 goals under what he should be expected to save. So is is this is this just how it's going to play out, man? A, a sub-900 save percentage goaltender, Braden Holby? It's important that we look at what's coming up for the Canucks and what the Canucks need Braden Holtby to do for them. So with the schedule kind of calming down a bit, they're going to be able to ride Demko. And absolutely, that is the plan. They are going to ride Demko to the very end. All they need Holtby to do is come in like maybe twice a week and just play okay. He just needs to help them get a win. That's all he needs to do. He's not going to have to play as much as he did at the start of the year. And I got to be honest, Chris, at the st- at Chris, at Chris at the start of the year, he was playing at a level that if he matched that right now with the defense in front of him, they're getting wins. Like he was playing pretty good to start the season, but the team in front of him was just crapping the bed. So now for him to be the issue, it's just like it's a total flip of the roles and it's just weird to see, I think, because you know, from a positioning standpoint and from an actual, his form, purely how he was playing, he was doing pretty well. The guys in front of him were not. And now the guys in front of him are doing okay, they're not doing great, but they are playing defense, which is better than they can say at the start of the year. And now Holpe is just in bad form. Like, he is not, he's not making the saves that you just need him to save. You know what I mean? And it sucks because, yeah, you, you, you hoped for him. He was excited to sign here. You hoped that he could figure it out. And I don't, I don't want to put out the book on him already and just say, like, okay, that's it. His season's over. He's going to be like this the rest of the year. Give it some time. He has some more time to work with Ian Clark, right? And, you know, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but this break that he's going to have, because they're going to be able to use Demko more and more, he's going to have more and more time with Ian Clark, and that can only be a good thing for him, right? And maybe tonight is viewed as rock bottom for him. I'm not on the post-game call right now. Neither are you. We're recording this, but I'm curious to hear what he has to say about this, because he's a guy, you know, he works with a mental skills coach a lot. He He's very 
precise in how he talks to the media. So I'd be let really me cut in, let me cut in there, quads, because I I've seen things on the ice that I just haven't really liked from Braden Holtby. Looking at it on the mental side of things, and there was a couple that stuck out that I wanted to bring up with you. Okay, uh, the first one was on the one where he kind of got caught out of place, and I believe it was Stastny who had the wide open net. Like you could see that Edler was kind of in the crease there, and he he dove forward, and it just seemed like there wasn't a lot of intensity to try and get back into the front of the net right like he just like dove forward to the left kind of laid there for a second and then struggled back to get into the spot into the crease and then he kind of like looked at Edler almost like it was kind of his fault that Edler was in the way and then there was another play where it was an icing call and the puck just went behind the net and before like anybody could grab it he like pulls it out and shoots it down the ice uh, I wonder if, if that part of the game is actually starting to hurt him when we thought that his mental strength was going to be one of the strong suits because of really what he's shown over the past and being able to be so strong mentally in the net. Yeah, I don't know. Like, okay, on that goal, I believe Myers was on top of him, right? Like, that's why he couldn't get up. I need to watch it again. I need to watch the goal again, admittedly. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I Yeah, like, you've got Edler and Myers flying in your crease. The first goal was on Hamannick, like... You know, there's there's a lot of stuff going on right now and a lot of stuff going wrong for Braden Holtby. So I get if he's getting a little frustrated. I don't know if that makes, you know, like people have heard Kevin Woodley talk about it and how he kind of hit rock bottom and had to figure things out. When he was with Saskatoon, he was told by his coach that he was like a mental midget and that he had to figure it out because he was a hothead and he did figure it out. And it's funny that you mentioned that, Chris, because you know, that's there. That is there. Like, maybe he's starting to revert back to his old ways. Maybe he's facing the worst luck he's had since junior. I don't know. Like, I'm just spitballing here, but I am going to point that out since you brought that up. I am going to point that out that, yeah, he was told that he was, like, way too much of a hothead when he was in junior. So I wonder, yeah, maybe that does have something to do with it. Maybe that's on his mind or I don't know. Like, I don't want to speculate, Chris. I really don't. So with 30 games remaining now in this season. 20 starts for Thatcher Demko. Do you take the over or the under? Mm, I think you take the over on it. Like, you have to. There was people saying that Demko should have started tonight, and they're looking pretty right right now. Now, the reason that they didn't is obviously because Toronto's coming up, and they're going to need Demko in both of those games. Like, I would be stunned, like stunned, if Braden Holtby gets a start in this Toronto series. Like, it's, it's Demko all the way. I, I think, Chris, I think the only games Braden Holtby plays in for the rest of the season is back-to-backs, the second leg of back-to-backs. I think that's the only really? time you see Holtby. And if they have if they have any sort of break on the back half of that back-to-back, I think you're still seeing Demko for both of those games. I, I like Not only is this Thatcher Demko's team, but I think it's, it's becoming his team to the point where he's going to be worked similar to how Markstrom was last year. Like, that's what they're going to need. They're, and until he shows you otherwise, like, Demko has been lights out. He's been absolutely great. And I'm not, I'm not just saying this because of one shutout. I'm saying over, you know, I look a lot further than the score or the stat line or whatever. Like, I'm looking at his body language. I'm looking at how he's set up in the net. Like, Demko looks solid. And... Again, he's another guy that I thought has played well all season long. And now that the defense is starting to play defense in front of him, I think that's why we're starting to see some success. Now, I I get it. I get that they they need to be better in front of him to an extent. They got to get some goals. Like, it's just unacceptable what we saw against Winnipeg a few weeks back where... 
you know, he, he lets in one goal and they lose 2 nothing only because of an empty netter. Like, that's just unacceptable. You've got to get some run support for your goaltender. So the Canucks have a lot of stuff to figure out, Chris. Secondary scoring being one of them. Power play scoring being another one of them. But when it comes to the goaltenders, I just think you're comfortable riding with Demko because you're only going to be as good as he allows you to. Like, you're only going to be good if he is good, and he has been. So they need to be better in front of him. Like, you know what you're going to get from Demko right now, and I think until he shows you otherwise or until he has a collapse or something of that nature, I think you're riding with Demko the rest of this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at some of the recent logs here. Last six starts for Thatcher Demko, a 9.27 save percentage. And if you want to double that and take the 12-game sample size, a bigger sample size for Demko, his past 12 games, he's got a 9.20 save percentage. Then you look over at Braden Holtby over the last six games of his, he's sitting at about an 8.70. I mean, that's not just, good. that's not acceptable. I mean, that's 50-point difference. That's a huge difference between what you're getting out of your two goaltenders right now i i don't know i think you might be taking a little extreme to say that he starts every game that's not a back-to-back like that that's a lot i could i would like to see thatcher demko get 22 of the last 30 games right like there's going to be a few back-to-backs definitely he's going to need a couple games off here between road trips and time off but I would like to see 22 games more of thatcher demko just to get to that point because he's not really in the spot to say like this guy is 1,000% a starter, right? But if he runs 22 games out for the rest of the season, you're going into next year thinking, okay, this guy's our starter. This guy's going to get a workload similar to what Jacob Markstrom did for us in the past because he is our team starter at this point. I just don't know I if they're, they're at there. that point right now. You think so? I yeah. think they're turning the corner. I don't know if they're there just yet. And I don't think Travis Green's the type of coach that's going to do that to a veteran like Braden Holtby at this early into the season. What do you mean this early? Like they're 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 like at the twenty seven game mark in a fifty six game season, man. Like I get it, I get what you're saying, but how can you not be there after the performance Holtby's turned in? And man, I hate to drag Holtby here, but he you you're right. He has been, it's it's unacceptable. He hasn't been good enough. So how can you not be there when it comes to Thatcher Demko? That is that is your starter. I don't honestly like I don't know how you or how the Canucks or anybody else could see it any other way. Like. Thatcher Demko is this team starter. It's, it's not a hot take. Like he's got to play, and they've. If here's the thing, the Canucks are still going to try and win every game. Playoffs or not, they're still going to try and win every game. Travis Green knows that Demko gives them the best chance at winning. He's going to play him. He's going to ride him hard into the ground if he has to. Like Demko is going to play a lot for the final final set here. Like I'm just looking at the schedule, and man, like. I I don't think we're going to see Holtby start again until maybe March 19th or 20th. Like, that's their next back-to-back. And then, otherwise, it's actually pretty well spaced out. Like, they've got Toronto coming up, then Montreal's in town. Uh, but again, there's one-day breaks in between all those games. I, I think you have to go with Demko in those games because... You know, you give you give him the break tonight, which I think was necessary because they're going to ride him hard in the month of March. I, I think it was the right call to give him the break tonight. I get you wanted the win against Winnipeg. And yes, it's a good point. You're chasing Winnipeg in the standings. That's a that's actually a really good reason to start him tonight. But man, you got Toronto here for two games and then you've got Montreal for two and you, you got a day break in between all those games. 
Then you have two days off, and then Oilers are coming into town. There's no travel there. That's a nice time for a goaltender to have a mental reset. And then he's so it's the Oilers, and then they're back on the road for two games, uh, and then it's a two game back to back on March 19th and 20th. I think that's the next time we see Holtby start. And honestly, I think he gets one start after this one in the month month of March. I think he finishes March with two starts. Wow. I mean, that that's a lot to put on Thatcher Demko, I think. I think that's a lot to put on a guy who's going to have games where this Canucks team is going to look bad in front of him, and you're going to ask a lot out of him. If you're going to put him out for this month of March, there's going to be multiple games this year where Thatcher Demko is going to give up five, six, seven goals. I mean, that's going to be a lot to hurt a guy who you want to develop into your starter. Yeah, I... I get that, but man, this is Canucks hockey. Like, he, he's going to get used to it, right? And until they improve the team in front of him, that's the reality of it is. Hope he's not going to be any better. I don't care how much rest yeah. he has. Demko is objectively true, yeah. a better goaltender right now, and you have to ride the hot hand. And like I said, like, if Demko keeps playing like this, I think he will. That's that's what it's going to look like this month. I think you're not going to see Holpe. You're going to see him twice this month, including tonight. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll see him more than that, but there's only two back-to-backs for the rest of the season, right? I mean, you're gonna see you're gonna see at least six to seven more games of of Braden Holby, I think. Like that's yeah. the minimum I think you'll see. And I, I get where you're coming from. Like I understand where you're coming from. You want to turn this into him, but I don't think this is the right team and the right time to say like we're gonna ride the hell out of you I just don't think this is the right team I don't think it's the right time I don't like I think it's the right time in Thatcher Demko's career but the team's just not gonna set it up to be a good situation for him and you look at it the way like if you're gonna look at it from big picture space you know he's coming up on a contract year if they really ride him out you know how good of a contract negotiation that is to say oh yeah well I just started 27 of the last 30 games for you like you need me like that's a huge negotiation and contract for him and I just, I, you know, bringing in a guy like Braden Holtby at $4.3 million to start him for three of the final 30 games, that's a horrible look on the organization too. Yeah. Okay. So, so you just brought up some really good points. So Demko has arbitration rights too. Now arbitration with goaltenders, if they just play okay, they're getting paid and Demko's played yeah, well. Absolutely. So this is going to be interesting because we already know about Hughes, Patterson, but not a lot of people are talking about Demko. That's going to be interesting for us to cover uh, coming up here. I, man, and and with that in mind, you know, I'm not I'm not suggesting this will happen, but you know, season gets on. Travis Green still doesn't have an extension. Starting to see maybe maybe I won't be extended by this organization maybe my time with the Canucks is coming to an end maybe he just flips the bird to the organization he's like yeah you know what you I'm still going for wins I gotta get hired by another team I'm riding I'm riding Demko you gave me this overpriced (laughs) backup so that's that's what he's gonna be he's gonna be a backup so I don't know I I don't think he's gonna do that because we know Travis Green isn't really like that but man I don't know if I were in his shoes I'd, I'd be tempted to I'd be tempted to yeah, that'd be quite the double bird flip out on the way out. <laughs> on the way <laughs> That's down. That's a good way on to On the go way out. down the I-5. Yeah, down the I-5 to Seattle for Travis. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's let's get to the interviews. There's something I want to touch on on the second half of the episode. And then I got a pretty in-depth prospect report. We're going to talk. I talked to a lot of guys over the last couple of days here. So we're going to get some updates on those guys. Uh, but yeah, good conversation about the goalies. Let's dive into both of our interviews, actually. We'll run our ads first. And then we'll get right into riding the bus with Corey Hergott. And then following that up, we have about a 20-minute conversation with Aiden McDonough as well. So we'll throw to the ads, we'll get to riding, and then we'll wrap things up with an Aiden McDonough interview. And then we'll close things out on the other side. So we will get to the break now. We'll see you guys on the other side. 
Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code Hockey Season with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for epic case break openings. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. Do you ever have a long work day where you just forget to hit the liquor store on the way home and then you got no beer for your game? Well, problem solved, folks. Same day delivery now from the folks at Parallel 49 Beer. That's right, the P49 crew is here and available on Uber Eats. All that brew directly to you with Uber Eats and Parallel 49's online store. Shop.Parallel49Brewing.com or check out more information on their Twitter and Instagram pages at Parallel49Beer. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employees on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trade jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. All right, short and sweet one here for our friends at Mike's Hard Lemonade. The Blue Freeze. If you haven't tried it, folks, you need to get out and try the Mike's Hard Blue Freeze. By far my favorite alcoholic beverage on the market right now. If you're going to just enjoy a few drinks at a game or it's a Saturday night and you got a Zoom party with some of your friends, take yourself down to the BC Liquor Store which or your local liquor store, wherever you get drinks. Pick up some Mike's Hard Blue Freeze, the best, tastiest drink on the market right now. McEwen into the goal and he scores! What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy shake. Guys, joining us now for our weekly segment, we are heading over to talk with Comets. Corey, Corey, how you doing today? It's been uh, a busy week for the Comets and a busy week for you as well. Yeah, I'm doing well today, Chris. It's uh, it's been a, a busy morning. I missed out on the, on the uh, Comets Zoom chat this morning because I was uh, a little bit under the weather, but. Uh, 
you know, got got myself back into decent enough shape for the rest of the morning to get an interview in with Jet Wu and uh, have an article coming out from from that conversation uh, later this week with Canucks Army. So, uh, yeah, fun fun chat with uh, with Jet, and thanks to you for uh, squeaking in a couple of my questions this morning <laughs> on the Zoom chat for me. Yeah, most definitely. I'm sure they were confused why I was asking about goaltender mask, but maybe they'll put the pieces together and, and assume that that question came from you. But hey, let's let's dive into that uh, conversation with Jet Wu. Obviously, Canucks fans are liking what they're seeing from the coverage from yourself and, and me on Twitter. Uh, love seeing the clips of him sticking up for Rathbone the other day on that Friday night game. But you had a, a good 15-minute long conversation with him today. How did the, uh, I guess, just break down how the whole inter- like interviewing conversation went today? It went pretty well. I mean, I find often when I interview uh, interview hockey players, um, you, can, you can really have, sometimes you can struggle to get... Uh, to get the conversation flowing if you don't have a lot in common with the player me being you know pushing 50 um i can't chat video games with them and stuff like you do so for me it's a little it can be a little tougher sometimes but with jet uh you know it went really well today he um i mentioned this to you off the air but uh you know some sometimes you interview a player and uh you're just not sure what you're gonna get and with jet it was it was like his answers were very well thought out, but they came quickly. Like they, I asked him a question, and uh, he had an answer ready to go. And uh, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, young guy, he seems pretty media savvy already, which is pretty cool. Absolutely, I'm guessing that's from the uh, Calgary Hitman organization. I mean, that's that's a pro organization that plays in the WHL. So uh, I, I guess going from that, I think something that you brought up that was kind of cool because um, we're seeing it right now. He's playing a little bit on the left side, specifically before Jack Rathbone got there. Uh, do you want to maybe just talk about that? Something that you guys brought up in the conversation? Yeah, that was something that uh, you know the first uh, well the first game he played on the right side, but I think the next three he played on the left side, and uh, or maybe even the next four. But uh, anyway, he played some games on the left side there, and and I asked him if that was something that he had experience with in the past, or if that was uh, like a, a completely new experience for him. And I found it kind of interesting. He, he said that his father coached him a bit in minor hockey, and uh, specifically played him on the left side at times. Uh, with the intention that hey you might have to do this in your future and it's uh it's best to get this out of the way now so you you have an understanding of what happens when you switch positions and uh you know so far it served him well he said when he came in this year into Utica he he wanted to let them know right away that he can play both sides he's comfortable on the left just as much as he is on the right and uh, I think he showed that I mean each game has been a little bit of a progressively better game for Jet and and uh, the Friday game, the first game that we saw uh, Jack Rathbone playing with him there in Utica, uh, that duo looked fantastic together. And for me, that was uh, that was Jet's best game of the year. And we were fortunate enough to be able to speak with Trent Cole after that game. And uh, and I I asked him if he felt that was a fair assessment, and and he he agreed that. Uh, you know that was Jet's best game of the year to that to that point, and and that he's seeing some really good things from him. So, it's uh, it's good to see we've got a second round pick from a few years ago, and and uh, he's making his way as a pro here, and uh, the adjustment so far has been has been pretty decent, and he's getting some, he's being put into some good positions by the coaching staff. He's getting some tough assignments. He's playing a lot of time on that penalty kill uh he's made some mistakes and been thrown right back out there uh you know eat your mistake get back out there and uh, let's see how you react 
to being put right back in that position. And, uh, you know, it's they're testing him, and, and I think he's he's showing well. Absolutely. And, and something that you just brought up there was, you know, the fact that he is adjusting. Like, let's, let's not forget, this is a guy that we're talking about having a lot of success. This is also a guy that we're talking about who's making his pro debut this season. Did that come up in the conversation at all, or what the adjustment's been like for him to go to Utica and play AHL hockey now? Yeah, we discussed that a little bit, and and uh, you know you, you kind of generally get the same answers from these guys when you ask them. You know, it's the difference between playing in in pro versus junior, and it's you know bigger players, faster players. Uh, you have to make your reads more quickly, and and that was essentially what it was. But uh, I kind of I kind of wanted to ask the question a little bit differently, and I, and I asked him kind of what his what he felt his best asset has been so far. Um, to help him have success early rather than than you know what do you think you need to improve on or whatever and mm-hmm. he kind of spoke on uh, the fact that you know he's always been a physical player it's it's a part of his game that's always been there and he doesn't see that changing uh he was a little bit uh not concerned but that was something that he was uh you know very aware of coming into the pro season into the season as a pro that you know players are going to be bigger uh players are going to be moving and closing on him more quickly and he's going to have to do the same to them and uh just the fact that you know like we've seen him uh like you said he came to lucas yashik's aid very quickly yeah. uh when he got run over there uh, he came to jack rathbone's aid very quickly when he got run over behind the net and uh you know that we touched on that and he said that's that's just that's his mentality um he's you know whether it's a cheap hit or a good hit uh you know that's his teammate and he's gonna look after him out there so you know pretty uh pretty good head on his shoulders for a young guy you know what seven games into his into his pro career so uh yeah he's uh, he's very sharp i'm i'm pretty excited about what we could see from him down the road he, he's a guy that i think uh he might take a little bit of time before we see him as a regular at the nhl level yeah but uh you know it's really early on small sample size but just the progression that we're seeing from him from game to game um his confidence is growing and building I, I just it's good signs for me at least absolutely and speaking of small sample sizes Canucks Nation on Twitter was just blowing up when I think PJ was the first to report it that Jack Rathbone was making his debut alongside Jet Wu as a pairing and you mentioned it that might have been the best game that we've seen from Jet Wu but I can 100% say that I think the best period we saw from Jet Wu was that first period when he skated with Jack Rathbone uh, what do you think made that pairing work so well in that first period before Trent Cole mixed it up well, I think it was uh, those two have some chemistry a little bit. They they do know each other a little bit from development camps in uh, in Vancouver, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and I think their games might complement each other fairly well. I mean, Wu is going to look after his own end first. We kind of discussed that a little bit. How uh, he's a defense first kind of player, and and his offense will come from from doing the right things uh, defensively. Uh, but that that allows a, a guy like Rathbone to to maybe freelance a little bit and have a little bit more confidence that when he makes that end-to-end rush or whatever, that he's got a guy back there that's going to be looking after the other end for him as well. Um, I think they both move the puck well. I mean, they both skate well. Um, Rathbone, like, he he didn't look like a guy playing his first two pro <laughs> games to me, that's for sure. And, I mean, I've, I've seen... I mean, in the la- in the last four years, every every player that's come through there making their pro debut, I've seen their pro debut, and very few um, players have, well, none have come out there and 
you know, put up three points in their first game and looked like, you know, probably the best player on the ice. And, and that was, that was Rathbone for me. I mean, that might be my, that might be my Canucks goggles on saying best player on the ice in that game. But I, I don't think I'm too far off in that assessment. He was, he was very good. Yeah. I, I was on 650 uh, Saturday talking about it. And I, I, I mentioned like, I've, I haven't been following this team as long as you, but I've done a couple years of, you know, watching 90% of the games I'd say, uh, watching a lot of those real big games from Brogan Rafferty last season, but it just felt like, you know, the way that Jack Rathbone controlled the pace of play on the ice, I, I said it on the radio, I said, I don't think I've seen a better performance from a defenseman in the years that I've watched the Comet, seeing what Rathbone did on Friday, and you mentioned it, three points in his debut. Maybe you just expand a little bit on that, because as a guy who was at training camp, I saw a lot of what a lot of positives in Jack Rathbone's game. I knew that he could skate at an NHL level. He moved the puck well, and just his passes throughout the zone. It's something that you heard Trent Cole talk about after the game. I mean, he was snapping every pass, just... He would hit his own blue line, and immediately there'd be a puck on the forward stick going into the offensive zone. I guess just maybe if you could break down a little bit more about the debut of Rathbone and what Canucks fans should be excited for to see him in more of these games with the Comets. Well, and I don't want this is I don't want to take away from what Brogan Rafferty did last year because he had a great season in the American Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Um, that said. When I watched Brogan Rafferty play, and I mean, again, small sample size from, from, uh, Rathbone so far, right? Um, but when I watched Brogan Rafferty, there were, you know, there was times in games where I still thought, you know, he needs more time here because he needs to, you know, clean up things in his own end. And, and, and this isn't saying anything terrible about things at his own end, mm-hmm. but what we saw from Rathbone, yeah, sure, he put up three points in that first game, but he, he was good defensively yeah. uh smart stick picking off plays uh was it the was it the friday game or the saturday game uh with the gadjevich goal um you know rathbone hit a guy in the neutral zone forcing a turnover the the, the comets went the other way rathbone has the puck stutter steps around a guy yeah, uh, a like third, just just freezes him yeah third goal and in the then, friday game yeah, it just freezes the guy, uh, gets the puck to Gajovic, who, of course, Jonah on the spot right in front of the net doing his job, as he does. Yeah. That's that's where his bread is buttered, so he knows what to do there. And uh, But you've got a guy like Rathbone who's, it's not just, hey, I'm going to freewheel and, and pile up points while my defense partner has to do all the heavy lifting. Um, you know, he's forcing turnovers. He's making good plays in his own end. He's got his head on a swivel back there. He's like, he's not a guy that, uh, I mean, we've seen him get, he got clocked once with a, with a solid hit behind his net, but I don't think he's a guy you're going to see getting caught like that very often. His awareness when he's on the ice is, uh, it's, it's well, well at the pro level already. Absolutely. And I want to switch gears a little bit here because uh, a couple goals for him, one on the empty net when Cole Lind, uh, you know, really set up Sven Berti for his second goal. But he did score his first goal on a goaltender this year. Maybe if you can just explain to Canucks fans what you've seen from Sven Berti so far in the AHL. Well, Sven is doing what Sven has done since he went down to Utica. He's just going down there and going about his business. Uh, you know, he's a playmaker more than a goal scorer. He was kind of always that when he was riding shotgun with with Bo Horvat at the NHL level so that's kind of what I see from him there and I mean we saw it uh we spoke about how well Rathbone and and Wu played together but there were times when they that 
duo was on the ice at the same time as Yashik, Lind, and Berchi. And, oh, and yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, with Sam Annis called up to St. Louis, uh, Lucas Yashik was shifted back to the right side, and he's playing with Lind and Berchi. And, and when that, that, that group of five players found themselves on the ice together, I mean, it was pretty special to watch. And, and I mean, Sven Berchi's a big part of that. He's, you know, the most veteran player on the team there. He's got a ton of experience at the NHL level. I still see him as a guy that I think he'll be playing on somebody's NHL roster next year. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Sven's just a guy that he goes out there and plays his game. He's, he's not trying to do things super flashy and, and stepping outside of the systems, hoping to get noticed by another team. I think that's kind of a, a not to knock your boy Goldobin, but I think that was kind of the, that was kind of the thing that we would see from Goldobin at times where, you know, it was, it looked like it was more about what he was trying to make himself noticed as a part, as opposed to being part of the team where to me, Berchi is down there. He's being a team guy. He's, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in the least if, if it was the other way around and, and Sven Berchi, you know, a guy that doesn't get a lot of goals, he would probably dish that puck off to Lind for a goal. If the role was reversed yeah. in the same situation, right? I mean, that's just the way he is. Um, he's not a guy that hides from the physical play. I've said this before, and, and I made a point of mentioning it with him um, when we spoke with him in a Zoom call. Uh, he's he's a proud person. I mean, he he wants people to know that he's not shying away from physical play, that he's not damaged goods, that he can play the game, and he can still you know get, get out there and get his nose dirty. Um, I have all the time in the world for that guy. I think, uh, you know, it's just an unfortunate situation for him in this organization at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. But you know how these interviews go, Corey. As soon as you say something bad about Goldie, I got to wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding here. I got to, I asked, um, I actually asked Trent Cole this morning in the Zoom call about the situation with Yasik because just last week I wrote a story about how Yasik has made a great transition to center. We've seen it over the past few years that it's kind of been a long-term goal of the Comets to, to get him to play center. And I asked Trent today, um, what he thought about choosing to put Yashik on the wing and keep Lind at center. And the thing that he kind of brought up was, you know, that's the plan right now for Cole Lind is to make that adjustment to center. He doesn't want to be switching him around a ton. He wants him to kind of be in that spot and work his way through the season as a center. He said there was times where they where they used Yashik in the faceoff dot. If it was a left side faceoff, I guess he's a little bit better on the left side, so they were using him then. But for you to hear that and to hear that Trent Cole wants this to be a long-term process with Cole Lind moving moving to center what do you think Canucks fans should think of that because I know that a lot of pe- a lot of questions I'm getting about the comments lately and I'm sure you're getting a lot of these too is is Cole Lind really a viable option at center so what do you think about the comments right now and the way that they want to keep him at center for those for the remainder of the season at least it feels like well I think that's I think that's wise of them to you know to make the the conscious decision to keep him in that position as often as possible if that's their plan to move him you know, to be a full-time center, yanking him in and out of that position would not be a good thing. You, you can't really get, uh, you know, any kind of continuity going with your line mates if you're shifting around a bunch or, and you can't get used to your responsibilities as a centerman. I, I think it's great. I think, you know, when you look at Vancouver's roster, uh, Brandon Sutter, maybe he's back next year on another uh, deal who knows but yeah. it's uh, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of center depth there so if they can take a player 
uh, like Cole Lind and move him to the middle. Uh, and if he can have success there, and I think he can. I, I mean, I think he's he's definitely got the the mentality to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got a fantastic skill set. I think he's a great playmaker. I, I don't think the offensive end of Cole Lind being a center will will be an issue at all. It's going to be you know making sure he can you know win his face-offs, uh, making sure he can win his puck battles in his own end and take care of those responsibilities. I'd like to see him getting some PK time in that role as well, just yeah. to help out with that. Uh, fingers crossed we'll see that as the season goes on once he's a little bit more comfortable there. But uh, no, I think Vancouver fans should probably be excited about that. I mean, if you look at the wings, you've got Besser, you've got Pod Colson coming, you've got Hoglander. Um, you know, you've got some kind of top six wingers miller's still still here right so uh the the path to a top six winger spot might not be there for cole but the path to being a very good uh middle six or bottom six uh centerman um that's that's a wide open door for him and uh you know he might be the guy that kicks that door down and and uh you know maybe godette is moved or maybe Godet shifts to the wing as a permanent thing and you've got Cole there coming in as a as a centerman or maybe those two can work together on a, on the same line and kind of share those uh responsibilities depending on which end of the ice they're in or or which side of the ice they're, they're taking a face off on or whatever um you know I do think that there's a there's a spot for Cole as a as a centerman on this team going forward Absolutely. And uh, something else that came out of today's uh, media availability with the Comets was I asked Will Lockwood what he thought about the nickname of the LFG line, uh, the Let's F and Go line, as you have named them. Uh, he liked it. He said that's the way that line plays, and that's the way that, uh, you know, it's a great nickname for the way that they go out on the ice and do things with Gadjevich banging bodies, you know, Lockwood getting in the corners fast, using his speed. But the one guy that I wanted to ask you about, and we'll finish up on this, Carson Folk gets moved up with Sam Annis leaving from the lineup and Yasik moving up to the first uh, uh, the first line. Folk is the guy that moves up to play second line center. I'm curious what you thought about his movement into the top six was like for the Comets this past weekend. Well, that second line center role, uh, that second line has done most of the heavy lifting there with with Yashik in the middle and and Curtis McKenzie on on one wing and often Nathan Walker on the other. Uh, Walker wasn't there, so Nolan Stevens was in that role. Uh, Stevens, Nolan Stevens, has a little bit more of an offensive punch to his game than uh, than his brother John does. Although John <laughs> picked up a couple of goals on the in the Friday game before getting injured, but uh, no, that line is a little bit more of a defensive uh they get a little bit more of the defensive responsibilities and uh, the fact that the coaching staff you know was ready to put uh you know to slide folk into that role rather than you know they could have easily just moved john stevens up into that role he was there a lot last season uh, after he came over um that would have been a logical sort of a move so the fact that the coaching staff trusted him to do that um you know he wasn't putting up points but we were still seeing him putting pucks on the net uh, I think he does great work on that second power play unit of, of filtering pucks to the net. Uh, like he's got a pretty good shot, and he, he lets it go from like from distance. He's out near the blue line often when he's letting them go, mm-hmm. and they're getting through. So uh, I think there's a lot of different layers to Carson's fo- Carson Folk's game that we're going to kind of see getting peeled away as the season goes along. It's he's a guy that uh, you know he'll probably take a little bit more time, but uh, just the fact that he's you know keeping his head well above water so far, I think that's a pretty promising thing. 
Yeah, it, it's been one of the shockers for me this season. I know that we've talked about it a lot before the year started. You know, what is Wu and Folk going to adjust to the pro level here? And, and man, like, real great returns from both those guys early on in the season. And uh, real great returns on the Ride in the Bus segment with you so far, Corey. Appreciate you uh, coming by for another week. We don't have a lot to talk about when we come back next Tuesday. I know we'll both be able to have a media availability. Uh, both of us are kind of working on interviews as well. Uh, but we only have one game this coming Wednesday, so that should be, uh, we'll have to to a lot of diving into what we see against the Americans on Wednesday night, which will be tomorrow when people are listening to this. So I uh, appreciate you coming by for another week, Corey. We'll definitely do this next Tuesday. Perfect. Thanks, Chris. All right, guys, joining us once again, one of the favorites of the podcast. You know him as the winger from Northeastern and a seventh-round pick of the Vancouver Canucks, Aiden McDonough. Aiden, how you doing today? Good, good. How are you? Good to be back on. Yeah, absolutely, man. We're stoked to get you back on, and it feels like the the perfect day to do it. Congratulations on being named Hockey East Player of the Month. That's a, a first time thing for you. Uh, lots of interviews today, or are you just keeping it low key today? <laughs> well, uh, first off, thank you very much. Um, and no, yeah, I think you're the the only guy for the interview, so it's been uh, you know pretty normal day for me. Well, that's good to hear. I mean. Looking at it, that's probably something that you you don't really look into the season going to achieve. But uh, now that you've achieved Hockey's Player of the Month, I mean that's that's got to be a pretty good thing to look back at at the end of the season now, eh? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's definitely something that um, I didn't even think about in, until today. Um, but yeah, I think anytime you can get kind of no, noticed for you know your hard work and um, you know we've had uh, some some team success that's that's helped that and obviously playing on a, on a great power play getting set up and, and playing with great line mates um you know that all that really helps so i think all the credit has to go to them for that absolutely uh, let's uh, let's start with the power play a little bit i mean uh I'm, I'm just surprised that they're not just putting a guy on you at all times now on that right side uh you got a ton of goals now five power play goals in the last six games uh is it just finding some open ice and things are happening for you on that side yeah i think uh, i think it has to do with a couple things i think um, you know, early in the year, I think I, I was pressing a little bit too much, maybe putting a little bit, you know, too much expectations or pressure on myself to, to score on the power play. And um, I think our unit as well has, has come a long way. Um, it's been, you know, kind of hard to just define that consistency with all the COVID stoppages and not playing a lot. I think, you know, by right around February, late February or March, now we've already played around 30 games. And this year it's only at 19. So I think something like the power play kind of just takes time to, to get used to kind of get clicking and um, I think we've, we've been able to click as of late I mean I think a lot of the goals I don't I don't have much of a, the goalies kind of out of the net usually it's a pretty empty cage that I'm looking at so I think a lot of the credit has to go to um, you know first off coach Keith who who works with our power play he's a, a genius when it comes to X's and O's in, in terms of our power play and he's really smart and um, Zach Solo Jordan Harris Grant Josevic uh, Gunnar Fontaine I think um you know, it's really hard with our power play because the way we're set up, there's so many threats. Mm. So the guys, you can't really put a guy on me just because if you do, then Jordan Harris is going to be walking down the slot, mm-hmm. shooting the puck, and you know, seems like the obvious man to cover when he has that, and he's had really good patience and poise to kind of look off the the shot and slip it to me on the back door, and um, I usually just try to get rid of it as quick as I can. Most definitely, and, and you mentioned it. I mean, that power play is starting to look really lethal. Is that uh, one of the big strengths? Do you think for Northeastern right now, as you guys are kind of approaching playoffs here? Yeah, for sure. I think um, I think that definitely gives us confidence. I think as a team, and Northeastern historically has been a really good power play team even before I got here. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I think we've been able to. to I think we're clicking at like twenty eight percent right now, which is pretty good. But I think, but we're kind of challenging ourselves is to kind of come up big in the big situations. I think 
we've been really good in the first period when we get a power play. Um, we're really good at getting the first goal of the game on the power play, but I think for us it's like, okay, well, now we want to win the game on the power play. You know, we, we had a chance uh, against Providence with five minutes left, and we had a power play, and, you know, we didn't connect, and uh, the game ended up, ended up going to a shootout, which costs the tie for us, so it doesn't really help us with points mm. for, like, the league standing. So right. I think um, you, we have gotten off to uh, – you know, really good. We've always had a good power play throughout the whole year, but I think now it's taking that extra step and, you know, big games coming down the stretch, you're going to need the power play to come up at big times. And not only on the power play you're having success, but 5-on-5 five five as well. I mean, it just seems like your line's really clicking. Is that just kind of, I guess, two years of just chemistry developing up to the point that you guys are at right now? Yeah, I think so. I think that was one of my, my big goals this year was to, to be more of an impact player at 5-on-5. Five five. And, um, you know, I think I was getting those pretty much – you know, the chances throughout the whole year. Um, but I kind of was snake bitten there for a little bit where sometimes, you know, it's, it's hockey. Sometimes the puck goes in, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes, it, you know, it's a bounce or a stick or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, right now it, they just seem to be clicking. And, and like I said, with, with how many games we've played, I think we're all kind of now starting to get comfortable with with, with each other on the line. Um, you know, I played with Joseph for a lot of the last year. Um, I played with Riley Hughes a lot of this year. Now I'm playing with Solo, who I've played with a bit. And I'm comfortable with him because of the power play. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of really good players on our team. And, and I think, um, you know, kind of being with anyone, you're going to be with a good player who um, can make plays and get you the puck. And, yeah, as someone who likes to shoot the puck, I think that's something that I try to do. Especially five on five is is get the puck to the net. Absolutely. And, and we're seeing that almost every game with you guys. And, uh, and you mentioned it, like, sometimes players are going to go through things where – bounces just aren't going your way things are aren't going great for the team but you guys have been able to put together a pretty good record how much of that is on your head coach and the legendary head coach Jim Madigan yeah I think a lot of it obviously I mean um you know him and coach Keith come up with with every game plan uh, every practice and it's up to us to go out there and execute it but um it's really comes from them it starts from them uh you know throughout the whole year I think they've been really good we have a young team we've had a you know pretty different year difficult year in terms of everything going on and i think they've been really positive um and really encouraging for all of us and, and they're pushing us because they know how good we can be um and how much better that we can be you know coming down the stretch and um but they've been really positive throughout the whole year because you know, a lot in a lot of the cases uh, the, the games that you know we're losing are really effort-based it's just a few mistakes here and there mm-hmm. but overall we've, we've played you know a lot had a lot of really good efforts so I think they've done a really good job with, with kind of bringing our group together through the tough times and, um, you know, just being positive and, and giving us the right game plan. And that's something that we talk about a lot with the guys on the NHL team when we're doing our media calls with the Canucks here. I mean, it's it's a strange situation for, for guys to kind of bounce back as a group when you're not able to kind of go out and have your team dinners, do the regular thing with your teammates. But how are you kind of finding it uh, at Northeastern with your college teammates there? Yeah, so it's pretty much the same thing. Um, you know, we're playing games on the weekend, and then, you know, Monday through Thursday, and Monday through Friday, we're, you know, we're taking class in our dorm rooms. We're going to the for practice. We're going to be separate locker rooms. Um, we're on the air together wearing masks, and after, same thing, can't shower at the rink, uh, can't be together. So I think it has been a little bit difficult in, in that sense, but I think uh, on game days, we're allowed to all be together, so we definitely take advantage of that. Um, but like I said, the coaches and the leadership have, have done a really good job with, with bringing everyone together. And, um, you know, we had a, a tough stretch there. I think at the beginning of February, we, we came back from COVID. We, we dropped two games in a row. And it's something that doesn't usually happen at a program like this. So, um, you know, the leadership kind of spoke up and, and the coaches said some things. And we knew we needed to be better. Um, and, yeah, it has been has been a lot different. And 
you know, it's a lot better when things are going well. Uh, but, where, you know, when it's not, especially during a time like this, it just kind of makes that just a little bit tougher because you can't get together as a group because, you know, we really haven't been together as a group other than playing games. You know, um, I have four guys that live down the hall. We hang out with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, we're not allowed to have any visitors in our dorm. Uh, we're not allowed to, you know, get together. We, I guess we could go out to eat, but, you know, there's a lot of risk in that nowadays with, with how what our season is, so it's not, not really worth it to do that. So Yeah, most definitely. And, and I guess, like you mentioned, kind of leaning on the leadership group, and, and you're playing with one as a linemate now in Zach Solo, who's been around for a couple of years now with Northeastern. What's he like as a captain for that group? Really good captain. Um, you know, I, I think I've, I've been really lucky to have two good captains last year, Ryan Shea, and this year with Zach Solo, and um, Zach definitely, I would say, talks a bit more than Ryan Shea. I, mean, I think, um, you know, Zach definitely isn't afraid to speak his mind. and um, But I think he, he kind of does it all for us. I mean, kills penalties, you know, probably in the mo- one of the most important positions in the power play in the middle. You know, plays a ton, and he kind of leads by example on the ice with his hard work and his 200-foot play. You know, that's evident, but I think kind of the stuff that he does off the ice kind of makes him, you know, an important leader. He, he definitely has been doing his best to try to get the group together and, and trying to, you know, make sure that we're staying on track. And it is tough for him. We have, you know, 11 sophomores, I think eight or nine freshmen. Um, so it's a lot of guys that haven't been here and, and haven't really won yet because they haven't really had the opportunity to Or you know, him and his classmates have won three bean pots in a row, a hockey's championship. So they expect to win and, and they kind of know what it takes. So I, I think anytime him or anyone in the leadership group speaks up that uh, all the young guys take note for sure. Absolutely. Well, that's good to hear. And you mentioned it. So many young guys on this team. It's going to be exciting to see what you guys are able to do in the next couple of years here. Um, specifically in your game, I know it's something that we talked about in the offseason was, you know, just trying to round things out at 5-on-5. Five five. We talked about the lack of scoring at 5-on-5 five five last year for you. We're starting to see that come together this year. What do you think is one thing that you changed in the offseason that you're really starting to see on the ice this year? Um, I mean, to be honest with you, not a whole lot different, I think. Um, this year, I, I just definitely put a more of an emphasis on on skating and protecting pucks down low. I think I realized, even though I'm a bigger guy, uh, last year I was, you know, it's still hard to, you know, win puck battles and, and get o- over pucks in the corner because guys in college are fast and strong. And as a freshman, you kind of don't really realize how hard that is. And mm. I think that was one of the big emphasis is just being able to protect puck down low and hold on to pucks so that you know, you're able to make plays and you're able to kind of create space for your teammates. Um, but in terms of like my training and stuff, I guess I would say I, I guess I ran a little bit more than I usually did just because I couldn't really do anything with, with COVID at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of going for runs or doing more sprints than I usually would. Um, but I, I really kind of always pride myself of, of being, you know, one of the hardest workers in the summer and coming into the season in great shape. And I think I definitely did that this year. I think I had a, a really good summer, um, dating back to, you know, back to March last year. Um, you know, but I still worked on everything that I usually do, which was shooting and, um, you know, my, my on ice workouts definitely got a ton better this summer. I was able to skate with a really group, really good group of guys locally. Um, you know, we had guys like Alex Newhook, Matt Boldy, Matty Beniers, um, a couple of Northeastern guys. And, um, we had a really good group of, of skaters that were really able to challenge each other and, and get better over the summer. So I think that's definitely helped. And I think it gives you confidence too, when you, when you play against guys like that and you go up against them every day that, it definitely kind of gives you confidence knowing that you know you can play with them they're the best players in the country so yeah no doubt and i'm wondering if you worked on any shootout moves because we've seen you now a couple times with a couple winners uh, against providence and a couple of different moves you went forehand on the first time 
and you buried it. But then you uh, you had the hockey IQ to go forehand fake to backhand there in the most recent game. Uh, what are the shootouts working for you right now? And do you have any more moves, or have you run out of moves now that you've pulled these two? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I I definitely always like to have a couple moves up my sleeve. Um, you know, I've been a shooter at a, a goalie clinic for the last, like, six years, so I, I definitely have a lot of reps with that. And, mm. Um, definitely practice that all the time. I know in juniors I did a lot, and um, I, I love taking shootouts. I, I love going out there with the pressure, um, you know, on you in the big moment. And and yeah, like like you said, I, the first time you played Providence, uh, it was the same goalie. I came in and went low blocker. That's kind of usually what I usually go to. Um, but I, I kind of realized coming in this time, I'm like, I think he's going to probably cheat the low blocker because mm-hmm. I did it last time. Um, so maybe if I can come in and, and fake that low blocker and pull it back to the backhand, that I can maybe get him. And if I had to elevate it. Um, and then I ended up working this time. So I kind of, you know, kind of like a pitcher versus a batter, like trying to, you know, see if you throw a fastball or a curveball, trying to, you know, kind of help think the guy. I really like that part of the game. So, um, yeah, happened to work and, uh, you know, kind of wish to get extra points for a shootout, win, but fortunately not. So, yeah, true that. I mean, that, that must be strange, eh? Like going into overtime and going into shootouts now, like knowing that nothing's on the line. But I mean, you guys still celebrated pretty hard in that last one against Providence. Yeah, I guess we didn't really realize it till after the game because, like, when you're in the moment, you're yeah. trying to win in overtime and then shoot out the same thing. You don't want to lose. But I think we all kind of, like, looked at the standings and were like, okay, well, that didn't do anything for us. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely wish it was, like, the NHL where you could get that extra point in the shootout. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Nothing you can do about it. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I don't know if you've seen the news, uh, probably have, about your buddy Jack Rathbone making his debut uh, with the AHL team, the Comets down there in Utica, he put up four points in his first four periods. Uh, is that something that, you know, I think shocked a lot of people that he put up that many points, but did that shock you? I know you've been able to skate and play with him for a long time. No, it did not shock me at all. Um, I think I, I told you this over like the, you know, maybe over quarantine, but I would not be surprised to see him in the NHL in the very near future. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely not surprised at all. I think I saw the patented Bonesy fake clapper where he does the <laughs> fake slap shot on the left side and pushes it around. I think every hockey player in Massachusetts knows that move because he's done it so many times and it works every time. Yeah. And then he um, usually will go down the left wide, left side and, and snap one over the goalie's shoulder, but then I think he uh, passed it and got an assist there. But no, I'm definitely not surprised at all. I mean, he's uh, an awesome player, and uh, I've been talking to him a little bit. He, he kind of has a busy schedule, and same thing with me. So we connected uh, a few days ago and just kind of chatted. We've been, we've been texting the last couple of days, and, um, he seems to really like it. I think he's just so happy to play games um, and just get out there and, and compete. I think that's – he's like, I haven't played a game since, you know, last March. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to play, you know. So I think that he's at a really good spot for him just to be able to play. And he's kind of telling me he's living in a hotel right now, just kind of hanging out. Um, I think his dad brought his car down or something like that. So, yeah, I think he's doing well. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised at all to, to see him have success. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if – um, he did that at the NHL level either, honestly. So I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised to have some more offense coming out of him and um, keep on doing well, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely a, a big portion of people here in Vancouver that were banging on the drum uh, for him to get a chance at the NHL. And I still think there might be a chance later on in the season. But you, you kind of mentioned it there, like he was in the same boat where he just wanted to play games. And you guys were kind of in that situation at the end of January there with a couple of COVID problems. Uh, are you just kind of now in that mode where you've gone a full month of just getting back into action? Like how good is, are you feeling kind of as a group right now, just being able to consistently be on the ice and do the thing that you guys love the most? Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we definitely feel, you know, tons better than we did, you know, a month ago from now, I think, um, 
you know, I'm thinking back to we, we lost to BC and UConn in one week where, you know, we got out of quarantine on Friday. We skated, or, yeah, we got out and we skated, uh, maybe we got out of quarantine Saturday, so we skated Saturday, Sunday, Monday, played Thursday against the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. And then we practiced one more time, then played UConn Thursday. So it's like, you know, obviously you don't feel great in those games and you're kind of getting outplayed and, you know, you're thinking to yourself, like, is this, is this our team this year or, you know, what, what's going on? But, you know, I think we got a full week of practice under our belt going into UNH and, uh, you know, the guys kind of found their legs and, you know, you obviously can see what, what our team is capable of, of doing when, you know, we're, we're kind of getting back in the swing of things. And, and yeah, I think now we're back in, you know, we, I think we all feel great. Um, I think everyone's, everyone's legs are good. Everyone's, you know, feeling strong back in the gym, back skating every day, you know, back playing every weekend. So it's, it's definitely good to be back in the normal routine and um, not, 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 not to make excuses for, you know, those two games, but I think it definitely makes a huge difference when you're able to, to practice every day, you know, compared to coming off sitting on the couch for two weeks. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it's strange because you mentioned that there's a huge game for you guys coming up this Friday. Um, you know, I feel like when that kind of game's on the corner and just at the end of the week, like the school's got to be buzzing, the fans got to be buzzing. In a normal world, like you guys would have a lot of support. Is that kind of tough for you guys? Or are you starting to hear it kind of more on social media and more stuff online from the supporters for the Huskies? Yeah, I will say it is It is different. I didn't even really think about that. Uh, but I'm just trying to even think back to like Beanpot week and, mm-hmm. and that was pretty nuts. You know, I remember... Um, you know, people in our dorm were putting post-it notes on our, our <laughs> dorm room and leaving us snacks and, and saying good luck. And there was signs that said, like, sucks to be you. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, there was tons of media at practice. I mean, there was guys, almost every guy is getting interviewed after practice. And um, that, that hype is, is definitely real for those types of games. And I think in a normal year, it would be very similar if, you know, in this scenario with us playing BC with the last game of the regular season. But but yeah, with this type of um, you know year, it's obviously very different. Um, but I, I think you know the guys in the room know how important it is, and that's kind of all that matters. And um, you know, I think by puck drop Friday, we'll be ready to go. But it is definitely a lot different. Um, even just campus is dead. There's there's not really many people here at all. Hmm. Um, usually, walk around campus, and you know, it's a, it's a pretty big school, but it's you know, it's obviously in the city of Boston, so it's pretty tight. So you know, getting lunch, you have to wait in line and. Um, you know, walking around class, walking around the class is pretty crammed everywhere. Everyone's stopping at the red lights, you know, in the hallways, it's packed. Every outside is packed when it's nice how people are on, you know, the greens and in the courtyards and stuff. But this year it's, it's pretty dead. Um, there's no lines in any of the food places, which is better, but you know, it's still, I think I'd rather wait in line and have people to talk to and stuff. So it's definitely been a lot different around campus for sure. And, and, I mean, you talk about different things, and, and the playoffs is something that we talked about off-air before we got going. So what you guys are going to have here coming up is just one-game playoff games, right? Do I get do I get the gist of that? Like, it's just a one game, you win, you keep moving on. If you lose, you're done? Yeah, so I think starting next Wednesday, um, you know, there'll be a playing game for the seeds 6 through 11 or 5 through 11, and then if you win that game, you play um, one of the top four or five teams on Friday. And then you play the next game would be like semifinals. I think would be like Tuesday and the finals would be the next Friday. So it's all in two weeks, one game elimination. Um, if you lose, you're, if you're not, if you lose, you're not going to make the NCAA tournament. You're done. If you get COVID, you're an outbreak on your team. You're done. There's no, there's no rescheduling in terms of that. So um, yeah, it's definitely a lot different. It's, it's quick. It's kind of similar to being part where it's, you know, one and done. And um, you know, it's going to be, major emphasis and 
definitely going to be well prepared for every game for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it's such a strange situation with these playoffs, but, you know, we're going to wish you guys the best. You're definitely going to have a lot of fans in Vancouver cheering for you. And uh, I guess just with this setup and the way that things have gone this season, I know it's something that you've kind of talked about in the past, but does it make you just want to come back to Northeastern for another year? Because a lot of people are wondering, you know, with all the scoring, everybody's asking, they're sending me tweets, like, is he going to sign after the end of this year? But I think, is it something for you to look more to come back to Northeastern to come and play your junior year? Yeah, I mean, I honestly haven't really, haven't taken any thought to, so that either of those decisions, I think, um, you know, definitely with with this year and, and the way it's going, um, you know, I definitely, you know, I think it would be a decision that would probably first have to come from the Canucks, you know, if they wanted yeah. to, to sign me. But, um, you know, I, I think with just this year and everything that's gone on, it's, it's it would be pretty tough to leave just because I feel like, um, you know, I didn't really get a full chance to, you know, to even kind of compete and play in the bean pot and, mm-hmm. You know, next year we're heading to Switzerland uh, to play as like Team USA in an international tournament for for two weeks. Like we're, uh, I think we're supposed to go to Arizona State, maybe Vegas. So um, definitely things that um, I think I'd be able to do that I wouldn't be able to do this year just because of the situation. But um, but yeah, like I said, I haven't given any thought into into that decision at all. And um, if I ever get that opportunity, I think that's something that I would you know, definitely consider and kind of think about my parents and my age and, and the coaches. But, um, but yeah, I know that hasn't, hasn't been on my mind at all. So most definitely. Well, all these goals you're scoring, uh, kids on Canucks fans <laughs> minds for sure. Um, I guess just to kind of follow up with that, um, if you guys are going to be wrapped up, I guess at the, by the end of March here with these playoffs, potentially mid March, is there any sort of hockey that you can kind of get involved with after that? Or are you kind of just an off season training mode after that? Yeah, I honestly, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I don't know. In a normal year, I would shut it down for, uh, you know, not really skate and just train for a month. Um, but now, given the circumstances with how many games we played, I mean, we have been on the ice a lot. I mean, we practice every day from September, you know, till no, till almost December. So um, that's a good question. I think um, when things end, whenever they do, Hopefully not for you know another month or so. Um, that I think I'd probably still maybe take some time off, but I think I'd probably get back into skating quicker than I, I usually would. And um, I, there's a good group of local guys that will be around to mm-hmm. be able to skate and do skills. But I don't think there would be any you know maybe like organized. There probably will be some sort of leagues and stuff this summer, but um, I think it's all still so unknown. I mean, we found out who we're playing this weekend yesterday, so. I think we're kind of going week by week here. So yeah. that, that's a good question. I hope so. Um, you know, I'd love to still be able to play some in some capacity, but, um, you know, who knows at this point. Like during a regular year where there's no COVID involved, is that something that you do? Or like, I know you obviously skate with a lot of other guys. Like, do you kind of get some organized scrimmages going on normally in that area? I mean, like hockey's huge over there. There's a ton of guys, pros and college players like yourself. Like, is that something that you normally do in an off season? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I think usually, uh, you know, I wouldn't skate, um, you know, probably depending when the season ends, but probably for the month of April and then maybe start skating in May, but, you know, nothing crazy. And then, um, you know, June, July, and August, I'm usually on the ice, you know, two times or three times per week, but then I'm also working as a, you know, as a goalie shooter. So, but yeah, I, there's usually a, a pro league in Foxborough that, you know, has a bunch of local pro and college guys. That didn't happen this summer. Mm. Um, so we kind of had our own makeshift where we took all the guys that we skate with during skills and kind of discourage each other and played five on five games with a ref. My dad actually would ref the games. So, right um, I think, you know, that's something that I usually would do just 
because we haven't played in so long to try to get our touches and our, our game, game like feel back. But um, I think there will be some sort of pro league, I would assume, or some sort of high end college league that would, would come around New England because there always is. There's leagues everywhere, like you said, hockey's huge, and um, there's leagues in the North Shore and the South Shore. There's leagues in the in the western part of the state so um i think there definitely will and i could probably see myself playing in one of those for sure so i gotta ask if your dad's the ref do you get away yeah. with a lot or do you get called for more um i would probably get a couple secondary apples if it, <laughs> if it counted um i think he's that type of dad he's pretty supportive um and i think he'd probably let me get away with so i'm not really a dirty player i don't really take any penalties i think i only have like one penalty this year yeah um but he, he's actually never ref any of my games i think he started refing you know once i got to high school and he does a lot of the younger kids you know middle school high school um but he did ref one of our scrimmages this summer and he, he did well um you know he kept up with us which is pretty impressive and um but he, he, i don't even think he called any penalties it was just kind of like you know there was good players and we were going hard but you know i don't think anyone was taking any penalties it was kind of like a, a inner squad scrimmage so he didn't have to do much other than call icing and offside so Absolutely. Well, that's good to hear. And I guess the final thing I'll ask you here, Aiden, before I let you go, uh, you're seeing, I don't know if you're seeing a lot of it online, but are you seeing some of the support from Canucks fans when you're scoring these goals and these clips are being tweeted out by, you know, Northeastern's putting out a lot of them, I'm putting out a lot of them. Are you seeing the support from Canucks fans? Yeah, I definitely am for sure. I get uh, I get the notifications and, and I see all that stuff. And um, it's, it's awesome and definitely encouraging for sure. I think anytime you can get recognized, you know, like I said, it, in um, – especially by people in Vancouver, it's pretty cool. And, um, you know, it's definitely a dream to, to hopefully play there someday. So it's, you know, it's really cool to kind of see those guys cheering you on and, you know, hopefully they'll be fans of me for a long time. So yeah, um, definitely, I definitely appreciate all of it. And, um, you know, the Canucks fans are awesome. You know, they're, it's a lot of them and they're definitely very passionate people. So uh, it's great to see for sure. So, mm-hmm. but hopefully I get a sky that keeps, so I, I can see more. Most definitely. I don't know if you're a big jersey guy, but one of the the favorites here in Vancouver is that black skate jersey. Have you seen that one at all? The black skate, like the, the old school Canucks one, like the black and yellow one. Yeah, there's a lot of support for Canucks fans to go back to wearing that one. And do you know? I think you know which one I'm talking about. What do you think about that one? I like that one a lot. Um, I've seen that one. The one with like the V. I think I used to. If I yep. play like NHL, you can kind of use one of those ones. <laughs> I like both those jerseys. I, I like all like the old school jerseys i'm kind of a, a history guy so i think the the retro or the reverse retros which are kind of like you know paying homage to some of the old jerseys i think that those are really cool i like the canucks those are awesome and um but yeah i love the old school jerseys those things are sick most definitely do you have a do you have a favorite old time jersey or just a favorite jersey of all time and, and i'll say this right now do not say anything about the blackhawks or the bruins so just stay away from those okay two. but uh, just for canucks fans but do you have a favorite jersey from present or past um yeah, so I, yeah, you're right. I won't say the Bruins because honestly, I'm not really the biggest fan of the Bruins old school jerseys. Um, I would say my favorite one of them would definitely be um, the Hartford Whalers. Absolutely. I think those are sweet. I like those colors. I played for the Cape Cod Whalers, which was like a club team in high school, and we had the same colors and logo. And I think those are actually those are pretty sick. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else have good ones. I do also like the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, is it called it the Kachina jerseys? Yeah, yeah. yeah like some people like jerseys, that. Some they people like Kachina. Yeah, yeah, Kachinas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those are set. But and obviously the Canucks, I, I like those too. So I yeah. think those would probably be my top three. 
Well, that's good to hear, man. Well, uh, we'll wrap things up there. Uh, I think Canucks fans are happy you said you didn't like the Bruins jerseys. Uh, they'll still enjoy <laughs> that quote from you for sure. Uh, but we appreciate you jumping back on the show, man. And, uh, yeah, you definitely got Vancouver cheering for Northeastern once again. Uh, so that's going to be good, and we'll definitely follow you guys through the playoffs. And best of luck from, from us here at the podcast. And I think I speak for all Canucks fans to say, uh, you know, just keep scoring those goals, and we'll keep watching, man. Keep it up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I always love coming on. So anytime, I appreciate it a lot for sure. And a big thank you to Corey Hergott joining us there for that Ride in the Bus segment. And we followed that up with, like I mentioned earlier, Hockey East Player of the Month and Friend of the Show. He said he loves coming on the show every time. So we love having him on. I don't know. Maybe we'll make it a weekly thing uh, to go along with Corey. Aiden McDonough, of course, of Northeastern University. Great to have a chat with them. The guy's just been on fire. And Quads, you know what's funny? Like, I don't watch all of his games live. I, I'm able to get some of his shift-by-shift stuff from uh, some scouts, and I just watch it like that after. But when I've been watching him live, like I think there's been three games where he's scored two goals, two goals, and then a hat trick in like the three games <laughs> that I've been able to watch him live this year. So I might have to like text him that later and be like, by the way, every time I watch you, you, like, you light it up. So he was absolutely lighting it up in the month of February. Deserved that honor for sure from Hockey East. So that was a great conversation to have with him. Um, and I guess, you know what, we'll we'll transition into a prospects report here a little bit because there are some things I want to touch on. Um, so I spoke to Dmitry Zlodiev, who we probably haven't heard a lot of lately. You haven't seen his name on Twitter very often. Uh, the unfortunate thing was he came back for one game earlier this year. February 5th was that game. He came back and actually scored a goal in his return to the VHL. And then we were all kind of wondering, like, where has this guy been so i talked to him the other day he actually broke a bone near his eye uh just after that after that game he broke a bone in his eye in a practice um and he's been unable to not only like skate and go around on the ice uh he's not been able to like get in the gym or really do anything so he's his season is done dimitri's lodiev is going to be done for the year we talked a little bit about what his next year looks like and he was saying like he just wants to get in the gym and get working out because he has a huge year coming up. He wants to play for Russia in the World Juniors, obviously. He's got a good chance to make a debut in the KHL next year. He said he was so close this year to making a KHL debut right before he got injured. He was actually supposed to, to line up with Dynamo. So that's a really tough situation for a kid who really caught our attention early on this year. But unfortunate finish for him. We spoke to Will Lockwood as well. Uh, Lockwood is, is loving the adjustment that he's making to the AHL. He says he's just trying to play his game, keep a speed game going. Uh, he loves getting engaged with the body. He says that he's throwing bo- like throwing his body around just like he was doing in college. But uh, the guys are a little bit bigger, so he says he's kind of bouncing off them a little bit. But he's definitely throwing hits. Like He's getting really involved in that line of him, Carson Folk, and Jonah Gajevich down in Utica. They're starting to look like a hell of a trio together. Um, and jump in here if you want to add anything, Quads. Otherwise, I'm just going to go on a rant. <laughs> go for it, bud. Okay, sounds good. So uh, after that, I talked to Cole Lynn. And this, this was really cool. And I think I might have to kind of dig deeper into this uh, and write a story about it. But I, I asked him. I was like, I just sent him a text. Because I was like, Cole, I got to ask. Like, what the hell are you doing taking face-offs left-handed? Like, he's a right-handed guy. But he's adjusted now to taking face-offs left-handed just because it's working for him. Like, we've been noticing it. It's something that Corey and I have talked about on Riding the Bus. But, like... It, it's working. It just looks so weird because you just don't see it at this high of level of hockey. So I asked him about it, and he said it's actually something that he learned from his younger brother. 
uh, Callan or Kako as they call him uh, for a nickname, uh, who was just drafted by the Red Deer Rebels, I believe, in the WHL. He looks like a top prospect for the 2023 draft. And I guess Cole reached out to his younger brother and he was like, man, you just got to switch your hands. And Cole thought it was kind of weird at first, but he went with it because his brother's been a center his whole life. Uh, and what Cole was kind of saying was that extra curve on the stick helps you just kind of swoop around everything and just pull the puck back. So he's been able to do a pretty good job of that. And Corey and I have both noticed, like, he's been killing it in the faceoff dot. Cole even mentioned it the other day. He said last weekend he was 75% in the faceoff dot. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, if you want to just take faceoffs the other hand, go for it. I'm just, I'm worried, like, and Quad, this is be pretty funny like you know like we saw it the other day actually i think when was it jay beagle who scored that goal right off of face off and his hand was the opposite way because he was still in the face off mode like i'm i'm waiting for that moment where cole lynn scores a goal left-handed like right off the face off because he just goes to the net and doesn't have time to like flip his stick right like that'll be absolutely hilarious to see so yeah, I talked to him, and that was a kind of cool little story. So we might have to, to go into that a little bit deeper and dive into it. And then the final one um, was talking to Jake Kiley, who is now playing for the Utica Comets down there um, and being their goaltender. They're kind of going 50-50 with him and Gillies. Like, Gillies is probably getting a few more starts just because the stat, I'm guessing that that might be part of the agreement with the St. Louis Blues. Like, Gillies is a, is a pretty close to NHL-quality goaltender as a backup for sure. So he's getting a lot of games for the Comets right now. But it was nice to talk to Kylie because I asked him, like, you know, you were here at Canucks training camp. You were able to work with Ian Clark. What's it been like for now? What's the contact like? And and what he said was like, you know, everything that Ian Clark's saying is just flowing through Curtis Sanford, who's the goaltender coach down there. And Sanford's a guy who was coached by Ian Clark when he was in the NHL. So, you know, Sanford gets it. He knows exactly the way that Ian Clark wants to teach things. He's obviously not the level of Ian Clark as a goaltender coach, but uh, Kylie was saying that the communication between him and Sanford and, and Ian Clark is just so good. Like they are keeping in constant contact. It's something that we love to hear. Obviously, like anytime we hear goaltenders working with Ian Clark, you obviously get excited about it. So I thought that was a pretty good little tidbit of news to hear from. And uh, that's kind of all I really got. I mean, Pod Colson, we saw a lot of people saw on the Twitter uh, the Twitter gifts that I was posting that he scored in his first playoff game. Good start for him. He was playing on the left wing on the on a line with Lyndon Vay, former Canuck legend. Uh, so that was a good start for him in the playoffs, and we're going to see how they roll. And just, just want to give a quick shout-out. I know he's not a prospect or anything. Nikolai Goldobin, three-point night, two goals, one <laughs> assist uh, in his KHL playoff debut as well. So free Goldie. Wow. That was that was that was one of my favorite prospect reports ever. That was just five minutes of you just talking, like so. Oh man! And it finished with a free goldie. That was something I bet nobody had on their bingo card going into that prospect report. I think it's time well, though. <laughs> if you have anything else to add, feel free. But I think it's time that we uh, we talk about uh, our friends at Odd Shark and kind of what's going on with them and how people can go make a play and win themselves some money, Chris. How has your betting gone recently? Tell you what, <laughs> this this ain't betting, but like, yo, I've been I've been running on the Baccarat table lately <laughs> on my betting. I just, like, it, Baccarat's a game that, man, this is going to be a horrible betting segment, but I'm just going to talk about Baccarat for a second. Have you played Baccarat before? No, what's that? Okay, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know how to play Baccarat, but like, I, it's really easy. You either bet on the player, you bet on the banker, and then it's like the higher card wins. It's really simple. It's a super simple game. There's something about dragons in there. Uh, I don't really know what that's all about. Something about pairs, but I'm telling you, man, I've just I've got some luck lately. Couple hundred bucks up in the back rat over the past couple nights. So I'm kind of just running with that right now. I don't fully understand the game, but it's a game where 
like if I had a couple drinks, I'd know exactly what I'm doing because that's what I used to do back in Nanaimo at the at the casino down in Nanaimo. I would sit down at the back rack table. It would be me and just five Asian ladies sitting at the back rack table, and we would just be having a blast. Like you know, get buying each other drinks, hitting dragons, you know, just running through the back rack table. Like it was an, inc- it was a great time. I always had a good time. And, and my friends just thought it was hilarious. Cause like, I didn't really know the game, but I would always somehow come out with more money than I walked in there with. Uh, and same things kind of going on right now on the online live table that I'm playing. So sorry for not giving you any odds uh, or any sort of tips betting, but I just want to say my back rack game right now, it's hot. Interesting. Thank you so much for all that, because that was Wow, that was that was what? hilarious. I not really what I was expecting. I'll be honest for our betting segment where we talk about sports betting usually. But oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Can't uh, can't really blame you. I, what's that game called? Say it again. Baccarat or Baccarat? I think Baccarat or Baccarat. I think the T might be a little silent at the end of it. I think it's Baccarat. Someone who actually knows, please send us a message because yeah, I'm I'm very very curious how. It's good, how it's actually it's pronounced. Sport. I'm just looking right now, Chris, because our friends at Odd Shark, they have really what you're gonna do. You go onto sports, you go to NHL, and you go to betting trends, and it's perfect. Like they have it for every game. It's it's yeah. really cool. Like it's 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 really good. It's really good. You can look. It'll tell you like you know what the trend is for over under when these teams play each other. What it is in their last five games, all that sort of stuff. Like there's a lot of really good information at oddshark.com. And I was just quickly looking at it, which is kind of why I was stalling and talking about back, Baccarat, Baccarat. Okay. What's it called? How do you spell it? I think it's Baccarat. B-A-C-A-R-R-A-T. Double C, double C. What is this mallet? Yeah. I'm just Googling it. I don't know what the mallet is, man. This is hilarious because this is the part of the show where I Google stuff and people really, really like it. Um, mm-hmm. Baccarat. Okay. Baccarat. Baccarat. Do you hear that? Baccarat. Okay. I don't know. I might Listen, I like I said, most of the time I'm playing this, I'm normally pretty half cut at the casino. I don't know what I'm doing. But I always come out with more money than I walked in there with. I know that. Hmm. Baccarat. There it is. Baccarat. Very good. Close it out, Chris. This is this has been quite a betting segment with Odd Shark. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for saving me on that one. I don't know. I don't know where that one went. <laughs> yeah. There. The other thing that's interesting, and I'll save this for Friday's show, I guess, a little bit more. But I just like, I just this is I will quote like the the Canucks. Obviously, the wins don't really matter right now, right? It's something we talked about earlier in the episode. But just looking at the way that this team's kind of setting up right now, does it not feel like some of these lines are made for the trade options? You know, like. Hmm. The way that you're seeing Jake Vertanen play with Horvat and Pearson, the way that Brandon Sutter's now on a line with the Canucks' best distributor in Niels Huglander and best play driver in Niels Huglander, like, I wonder if something has come down from management to say, like, you got to put these guys into spots where they're going to get their their trade value boosted. Like, why in the hell would Brandon Sutter be playing with Niels Huglander to, to boost his trade value? That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah, ask Travis. Let's ask Travis about it tomorrow when we talk to him. I think that'll be great. Let's 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 vow one of us will ask Travis why wow, Sutter is playing with Hoglander. But we'll we'll say it much nicer. We'll ask it in a nicer way and we'll have the answer on Saturday's episode. 
guarantee it. Listen, no, I'm just like I'm. I'm starting to ask more questions to Travis. You know, I think we're getting a little bit of relationship. He he'll say like, you know, I'll say, hey Travis, and he'll start with, hey Chris, and it's like, you know, we're we're starting to get there. I think this is a job for you to get in there because you're not in, you're not asking as many questions as I am. Like you sneak in there to talk about goalies every couple of weeks, whoa, whoa, but like whoa. this this seems like one for you. You need to be like, excuse me, Travis, are you putting Niels Hoglander on the line with Brandon Sutter so that you can boost Sutter's trade value? <laughs> I would love to hear. I would love to hear Travis answer that question from you, Quads. Well, I'm not gonna ask it like that. Also, Travis and I are best friends. Uh, on my Botchford project night, we talked for like two minutes, and I think he remembers oh, wow. me because on the Zoom call. That I went on last week. I asked him about Edler, and he was like, "Sorry, David, I didn't hear the start of that question. Can you just repeat it?" And I was like, "Yeah, no problem, buddy," because he's like my best friend. I'm just kidding. I didn't wow. say any of that, but he did. He did say I didn't hear that question, David. Can you say it again? So you know, you're not the only one who gets called by name. So I don't know. On the best friend meter, <laughs> I think I'm a little higher with Travis than you are. Yeah, I've, I've given him some questions that he hasn't liked earlier this year, but I always, you know, like I try and have fun on these, right? Like, you know, I, yeah. I, it's hard to right now, but like throw back to training camp, man. I was having a lot of fun asking a lot of these questions, you know, even like back to the bubble asking Quinn Hughes about Gossip Girl. Like that was like one of the best times, like, like one of the times where I've seen him smile the most, not to mention the time I made him laugh back in the bubble as well. That was <laughs> the, the only time I've seen Quinn Hughes laugh in a press conference. So anyways, yeah, so we'll, we'll get to uh, an exciting press conference here pretty soon. Uh, when you ask Travis green about who he's trading or who he wants traded. So uh, that'll happen. Like that. That'll happen next week uh, on the show. We'll have a review for that on Saturday. Uh, but big shout-out. We'll wrap things up here. Big shout-out to Corey Hergott joining us. He'll be here every single midweek episode to talk about the Utica Comets. Uh, and another shout-out, of course, to Aiden McDonough. Big month for Aiden McDonough. And you guys heard how he kind of explained what's going on in the playoffs with him. And you also heard him say at the end that he sees all the love on Canucks Twitter and absolutely loves it. So be sure to throw Aiden McDonough some love. We're probably having tagged in this episode. Uh, throw him some love. He appreciates it. He loves hearing Canucks fans. So uh, big episode uh, this week. It was a lot of fun putting this one together. Any closing words, quads? No, I'm just thinking of how I'm going to ask this question to Travis because I'm definitely going to do it, but I'm not going to ask it in a stupid way. Like, I'm going to be careful with how I ask this, but I think I think what I've landed on is I'm going to be like, what what have you seen that you've liked from the Sutter, Hoglander, and Gaudette line, and what made you originally put them together? Something like that, but I have to, I have to be careful how to word it because he won't give you an answer. If he knows it's going to be, if it's in a negative way, he, like, won't give you an answer or he'll just give you mm-hmm. a bad answer. So, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm like... Here's my my philosophy is like I you can't ask dumb questions if you don't ask any questions. So when I ask questions, it's always like a good question. Like my I'm my goal is to never be that guy who goes viral because he asked the dumbest question. Like I've I've gotten close a couple times during training camp. I asked Bo Horvat. I, I've said it a bunch of times on this show, but I've I've asked some pretty dumb questions to Bo Horvat, and he's always been gracious. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking of how I'm going to do this one. I don't even know what the schedule is for tomorrow. Let's wrap this up. Yeah, you know what I? I'll close this up. You know what I asked uh, Will Lockwood today? I asked him what he thought about the LFG line, and he's like, "The LFG line." I said, "Yeah, uh, Lockwood, Folk, and Gadjevich. We've we sort of got the nickname from Corey called the Let's F and Go line." I said on the Zoom call today uh, with Lockwood, and he was like, "He's like, okay, okay." He's like, "I love it. That's the way we play." <laughs> like, there's a good laugh, uh, not only from him and myself, but like the other guys that were in that Zoom call. So that was that was a fun one today. And yeah, that LFG line—that's one of Corey's best nicknames, I think, in a long time, P- perhaps since the big fella. 
You know, <laughs> the Shotovan Shift Disturber is a great nickname as well. Yeah. But his LFG line, I think that's up there with the big fella. Those are those are Corey's one and one A uh, right now for nicknames, if you ask me. So yeah, we'll wrap things up here. We're gonna have uh, another episode coming up for you guys on Saturday. Uh, hopefully, get this thing posted ASAP, and then uh, yeah, we'll dive into a lot more Canuck stuff uh, on Saturday's episode. I think it's gonna be one where. Man, you know, by Saturday, this team could be really in team tank, right? Like, it really could be in tank mode, depending on what happens uh, with this Toronto series. But we'll see you guys for that on Saturday. Appreciate you stopping by listening to episode 141. For David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber, and thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Canucks Conversation. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.